Amen. Thank you, music team. Good morning, Coastal. Give you a little info. Yeah, that's mine. Thank you. A little information about myself is I am by nature, in terms of where I get my energy, I'm an introvert. My idea of a good a good date night is uh, could be summarized in one word. That's just silence. <clears throat> so I don't need anything fancy. Just just silence. Like just a place to go. No cell phone. No traffic. No people. You guys know where I'm talking about, right? And this morning, I want to talk about something that, as, to me, being an introvert is is a bit convicting to me. It's I have to I have to be intentional about it, and, and, and that's the word I'm going to use a lot this morning. I, it's, it's something that takes me out of my comfort zone, and that's intentional and authentic community, intentional and authentic community. And I, I have a simple question for you this morning, and my question is this, what will you do to battle unbelief? What will you do to battle unbelief? And you may answer that question by saying, well, I I already believe. And my follow-up question, which would be the same as my original question, just posed a different way, would be, what are you going to do to ensure that you continue to persevere in your repentance of sin and your belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do to ensure that? You will not keep the faith by yourself. You can't keep the faith on the path of, of rugged individualism. And I'm going to make a bold statement that I believe is supported by our text this morning. And I want, to, I want you to think about it as you go through your week. And I want you to wrestle with it in your small group. And, and if you have a complaint about it, you can email me at sean at gocoastal.org. <laughs> but here's the statement I want to make. I want to make this statement. You will only get to heaven through a community that helps and encourages you to fight and repent, to remember to repent of your sin and rest and trust in the finished work of Jesus. You will only get to heaven through a community that helps and encourages you to fight, to remember to repent of your sins and rest and trust in the finished work of Jesus. Intentional togetherness. Intentional togetherness is how God designed the Christian life to be. And, and the passage that I'm going to preach on this morning, it's one that's, that's been burning in my heart for the last six months. It's a passage that I've committed to memory, that, that I've stored in my heart, and that I strive to remind myself of on a daily basis. And I really believe that one of the reasons why it's so heavy on my heart is because of where we are as a church. And the Lord has allowed us over the last few years to, to, to grow both spiritually and numerically. We have an average attendance across three services of around 1,000 people on a Sunday morning. Some of you a few weeks ago had an opportunity to, to, to check out our, ministry, our, our missions fair, and you were able to see firsthand all the work that God's doing in the life of people that are committed to serving Him. We have 36 small groups. Many of you attend those small groups on a weekly basis. And our children's ministry and our youth ministry continue to grow steadily. And I'm not just saying that this morning to, to, to present numbers to you, but I say it because one word continues to come to my mind and it plays over and over in my head as we grow, and that's the word intentional. 
the word intentional. As we grow, we have to be intentional about our walk with the Lord and about walking with Him in authentic community. Because the truth is, some of you in this room this morning may be feeling disconnected. You're like, man, some of you who may be longtime members of Coastal Community Church that, that have been with us since the beginning may be feeling disconnected. And I hope this sermon this morning encourages you. In our Christian walk, we're prone to wonder every day. That's why I love that song that we just sang, Come Thou Fount. And I know when I, when I start divorcing myself from, from living in authentic community, I start divorcing myself uh, from the truth of Scripture. I, believe, I begin to believe lies. The lies get louder than, than truth in my life and in my heart. We're prone to wonder. We're prone to forget This morning, my aim is, is to remind you of the importance of your Christian brothers and sisters in the pursuit of your faithfulness to Christ. And, and, and I want to remind you of the importance of not living the Christian life in isolation. And my hope is that, that when you leave here, you'll be, under, you'll be able to understand that there's no such thing as a Christian living an isolated life. So I'm going to begin with this proposal, and I'm going to end with this proposal this morning. This is it. An authentic follower of Jesus Christ, humbly living in godly fellowship with other believers, active in the Great Commission, is God's will for your life and your guard against the sin of unbelief. And let me pray for us this morning, and we're going we're gonna to dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are, um, God, yeah, we are prone to wonder, we're prone to forget. So easily, Lord. I thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through your word and ultimately through your living word, Jesus Christ. We look to that this morning. And God, I pray that, um, Lord, as you've been convicting me about this message, God, I pray God, that you would convict us as a church about being intentional, about stirring our affections for you and about stirring each other's affections for you. So, Lord, guard my mouth from falsehood this morning and allow me to say the only things that are true. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to find ourselves in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, there's one in the seat in front of you. My, please take that. That's, that's our gift to you. Keep it. Read it on a daily basis. And as you turn there, I just want to give a, a, a few just quick context notes about our passage in Hebrews 3. So much time, effort, and, uh, and money has gone into researching the identity of the author in this passage. And I'm happy to report that we have no idea who the author of Hebrews is. Um, yeah. So some say it's Paul. Some say it's Apollos. Some say it's Barnabas. And we really aren't sure. But what we are sure about is that the Holy Spirit inspired it. Uh, this book, it would have been presented like a sermon, okay? It would have been read out loud. It's, it's a, a letter essay type book. And the original hearers of this sermon were, were mostly Jewish. And we believe they were Jews who were um, under heavy persecution. Um, if you journeyed with us last year, we went through the book of Romans and we talked about the audience in the book of Romans. And we believe that the Jews here are probably some of, 
uh, the same audience. They were expelled by the Emperor Claudius around 49 AD. Okay, these were Jews who became Messianic Jews, which means that they became Christian Jews. And, uh, and, and what was going on was uh, they were excited about this, this new belief in Jesus as the Messiah. And so there were some disturbances in the synagogue um, with, with them uh, witnessing or sharing the gospel message with their unconverted Jewish friends. And, uh, and because of those disturbances, uh, the Emperor Claudius cast them out. And so they're, they're kind of at this point where they're they're, they're facing persecution. They've been shunned by people that they used to be in community with um, and uh, further persecution. And actually in chapter 10 of Hebrews, it says, Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And so these, these, this audience is enduring hardships. They're enduring persecution. And as a result, it seems that the Jews were, were tempted to, to abandon their Christian profession for fear of death and further persecution, okay? And I want to be clear this morning. This letter is it's addressed to two different types of people in the Jewish com- community, okay? It's, 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 it's addressed to, to people whose Jews whose hearts have been truly grasped by the gospel, the saving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ, okay? The Lord has sought them. And then there's, there's another group of, of, of Jewish people who've made a profession in Christ, but whose hearts have never been changed by the gospel, okay? And I, and I don't think that's a whole lot different than us in this room this morning. There's, there's some of you whose hearts have been truly changed by the gospel, and there's some of you who've made a profession, but you've never been serious about your relationship with Christ. And the passage that we're going we're gonna to look at, it's been used to, to teach the false idea that you can lose your salvation, and, and allow me just to, for a minute, commend a few passages to you in order to, to balance this passage out. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 39, um, the Apostle John says, uh, uh, he's quoting Jesus here, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. John chapter 10, and I preached an entire sermon on this uh, a few weeks ago. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Philippians 1.6, the Apostle Paul says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, The Lord is faithful. He will establish, establish you and guard you against the evil one. 2 Timothy 1.12, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me, the good deposit of the gospel message. 2 Timothy 4.18, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 12.2, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter. Some of your translations say the author and the finisher of our faith. First Peter, the second part of verse 3 to 5. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 
in the very familiar passage, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Write these down, store them in your heart, dissect every word of them, the promise that the God who calls you and causes you to be born again is faithful to preserve you by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day we acquire possession of it. It's Ephesians chapter 1. Amen? All right, so we, we have an unshakable foundation when the gospel has grabbed a hold of your heart. So that's our passage is not saying that, that we can lose our salvation, all right? Our text is saying to examine yourself. Those who persevere to the end are those who were truly saved by the gospel. And, and when I study or when I preach on a passage, I want to make sure that, that we're examining this passage in light of the entirety of God's word, not in isolation, okay? Because a verse out of scripture, a verse read in isolation from the rest of the Bible can lead us to false beliefs, all right? So, so with that established, let's get to our actual text this morning. We're going to apply it to the word authentic. And, and look with me a few verses before our main text Hebrews chapter 3, starting with verse 7, it was a little bit what, what uh, Joel read. I wanted him to read that passage. It's quoted from Psalm 95 because I wanted you to have the entire context of that passage. But this is what it says, starting with verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, right? So we don't know who the exact author of Hebrews is, but he's quoting the Holy Spirit here. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay, stop right here. The author, he, he, he's quoting Psalm 95, okay, verses 7 through 11, okay? It describes the Israelites, they're, they're wandering in, in the wilderness for 40 years, right? After they've, they've been delivered by God from the oppression of Egypt, and, and after God time and time again has done one miracle after another miracle, they refuse to commit themselves in faith to that God. And so, so God doesn't allow those who, re, who are rebellious, consistently rebellious toward him, to enter into the promised land. And God won't allow those heart of hearts, to, heart of hearts, to, to, to enter into His divine rest. Okay, which which we received when 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 we repent of our sin and we put our faith and trust in the person and, and work of Christ. And and without any conjunction here, as if as if the 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 author of Hebrews, the Hebraic author, wants to get right into the practical application. Okay, he, he uses the Israelites as the springboard, as as the example here, and as if, as if he can't wait to to get to the application of it. He says this. Take care, brothers, which is our main text. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end." These three verses, they're, I want to divide them this morning into three parts, okay? Just this three takeaways from these three, uh, these three verses. 
the first thing I want you to take note of is this is a warning against an evil and unbelieving heart. This is a warning against an evil and unbelieving heart. Verse 12 says, take care, brothers, okay, based off of the profession being made, right? This, this, the word brothers doesn't necessarily mean that they're true brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters included here, okay? But, but um, he, he, he's, um, we're assuming that those who profess Christ are true Christians and, and, and we judge by, based off of the fruit that we see. But he says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And I'm going to point um, a few words out as we work our way through these couple of verses, but the author intentionally uses a few words from Psalm 95 in this passage in an effort to make his readers compare themselves to the Israelites. And that's going to be my encouragement to you is, is, is to compare yourselves to the Israelites who wandered in the, de the desert. Uh, the word he uses in this verse is the word heart. He uses the word heart. Okay, and many of the Israelites, they, they proved to have hard hearts toward the Lord. And the, the Hebraic author, he's warning the congregation not to follow in their steps. Let me give you an example of someone displaying a, a, a hard heart. Now, I'm so thankful that I, I, I serve at a church where, where God's word's taken seriously. And I personally have never been a part of a church who practices church discipline as, as laid out in, in Matthew chapter 18 until I became a, a member of, of Coastal Community Church, you know. We, we have a church, uh, we, have, we have a lead pastor, we have elders um, who take this charge seriously. And they don't avoid uh, tough conversations for the sake of a, a false unity. And when you become a member at Coastal Community Church, we, we make a promise to hold you to your profession in Christ. And we've practiced church discipline several times since I personally have been on staff and, and you know the difference between an Israelite, okay, someone who displays a hard heart versus someone who's been grabbed by the gospel? Think of two, two words, brokenness and gratefulness. Brokenness and gratefulness that manifest itself in, in repentance and, and restoration in Christ. Then there's been times where we've, we've confronted a member of their sin. They've, they've refused to repent and they've They've displayed a hard heart toward God and, and, and toward His Word and toward the church. And, and because of that, the Bible calls, calls us to treat them as if they, their profession isn't authentic. It isn't real. And then we've practiced church discipline before where we've confronted a brother or a sister in the Lord who, who, who's wept and who's repented, and, and we're able to, to see healing and restoration in their lives. And I think of, of Psalm uh, chapter 51, and Pastor Sean alluded to this last week in his sermon, um, when, when after Nathan confronts David and his sin with Bathsheba, and, 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 and David responds appropriately by saying this in the first 10 verses, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, Transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being and you teach me wisdom 
in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Amen to this passage, right? Hey, anyone who's, anybody in this room who's been broken, truly broken by the gospel of Jesus Christ can say amen and can understand and confess along with David, have mercy on me, O God. So the Israelites uh, this is, have the opposite response um, and, 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 uh, and as the Israelites displayed an, an evil, unbelieving heart and didn't enter the rest of God, so also are we warned about the condition of our own heart. And, and I want to give you just a free grammar lesson. In the Greek, the writer uses uh, the indicative mood. It's a, it's a factual statement, which translates this, this passage, verse 12 here, is, Take care, brothers, lest there shall be in you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, lest there shall be. See, the, the, the warning, it becomes strengthened because of the mood of the original language. This is a, uh, this is a serious warning for 100% of the people in this room. If you don't take care, you shall have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Verses he, Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His, His will. Listen, the, the, the Hebraic author here, he's saying, this is true. Pay attention because you're prone to wonder and forget it. And my wife, she's learned the importance of texting me throughout the day. Um, she has my calendar on her phone. She knows where I am and, and what I'm doing because let me be honest, it's a miracle that I get my clothes on and I, I make it to work, right? I, I just don't have my stuff together. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, really. And my wife's learned to send me text messages to remind me about things and, and kind of has the, the honey-do list, except it's not just her to-do list, it's my to-do list because I forget my own to-do list. And, uh, and, and if I forget that, I just forget things all the time. And if I, I forget all those types of things, how quickly can I forget my own identity, my own profession in my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ? How, how much more could I forget that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures? I'm prone to forget that, which leads me to ask the question, how do I remember my profession? How do I remember my profession? What, what's the remedy for an evil and unbelieving heart? The second thing I want you to see is the remedy for an evil and unbelieving heart is Christian community. It's Christian community. Verse 13, the author says, But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
The second word the author uses from, from Psalm 95 in this passage is the word today, if you want to make note of that. He uses the word today. Sean talked last week a bit about being a good steward of what the Lord entrusts to you. And I would like to remind you, like all you have is today. Church, you, you live in a time called today. Yesterday is gone. Right? Tomorrow's not promised. Like all you have is today, right now. You sense the urgency of the author of Hebrews, the, the urgency that, he, that he's speaking to us with? You have today to be in each other's lives and glorify the Lord. God has commanded you to be in each other's lives. We're called to stir each other's affections for the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, he says, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day is drawing near. Church, we need to see ourselves and each other as faith-preserving grace. We need to start seeing ourselves and each other as faith-preserving grace. I love the language the author uses. He says to stir up one another. How can we effectively stir, stir up one another, stir our own affections for the Lord and stir each other's affections for the Lord? One of the ways you can do that is small groups. In my, my small group's not only during, doing the sermon-based questions, but we've decided to go uh, through our small group resource, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, which I, you can still pick up in the back at our cost. But we're seeking to stir each other's affections for the Lord. And let me encourage you to, 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 to be in a small group more than just during the sermon series. And look for, uh, when you're not explicitly going through the Bible, look for gospel-centered resources to read through. We offer a great resource list on our website, coastalcommunitychurch.net. They're resources that we've combed through theologically that we trust and, and we commend them to you. Utilize the tools that we're giving you to be in each other's lives. Serving one another is another way to engage in authentic community. Pastor Sean talked a lot about this last week, but nothing will stir your affections for the Lord more than being poured out by serving one another. It's easy to get plugged in at Coastal Community Church in a, in a, in a ministry and in a mission. A third way to develop and to, to, to stir your affections for the Lord is to be a worshiper alone with God. Be a worshiper alone with God. I, I believe it's absolutely impossible to be authentic in community if you're not being authentic in your one-on-one -on -one time with God. It's impossible. Get up early in the morning and, and spend time with the Lord. I have a journal that I, that I open up every morning along with my Bible and, and whatever book I'm reading at the time. And, and, and um, in my journal, there's this quote by George Mueller, who was an evangelist and, and a director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in England during around the 1800s. And, uh, and, he, and he said this. He said, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. Is your soul happy in the Lord? And this man's commitment to his joy in the Lord has stirred my affections for the Lord deeply. 
I want to be the type of man that, that refuses to start his day until his soul is happy in the Lord. If that means I have to get up at three in the morning, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wakes me up at three in the morning and I commit myself to spending time ensuring my soul is happy in the Lord. And if your excuse for, 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 for not stirring your affections for the Lord is that, that you're quiet or reserved or you're busy and you're not just a people's person when it comes to, to engaging in community with other people, my response is the Bible was addressed to you as well. So guard against that, repent of that, and stir your affections with the Lord and stir others' affections with the Lord. And look what happens to those who are committed to Jesus and committed uh, to a people who are committed to Jesus. The third thing is a promise to those who persevere in faith. The promise is eternal life. A promise to those who persevere in faith is eternal life. Verse 14 says, For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We share in Christ if we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Pastor and theologian John Piper once stated, if over the next 10 or 20 years John Piper begins to, to cool off spiritually and lose interest in spiritual things and becomes more fascinated with making money and writing Christless books and I buy the lie that a new wife would be exhilarating and that the children can fend for themselves and that the church of Christ is a drag and that the incarnation is a myth and that there's only one life to live, so let's eat, drink, and be merry. If that happens, then know that the truth is this. John Piper was mightily deceived in the first 50 years of his life. His faith was an alien vestige of his father's joy his fidelity to his wife was a temporary passion in compliance with social pressure. His fatherhood, the outworking of natural instincts. His preaching was driven by the love of words and crowds. His writing was a love affair with fame. And his praying was the deepest illusion of all, an attempt to get God to supply the resources of his vanity. Who are those that will inherit eternal life? Those who persevere in faith to the end. Who are those who persevere in faith to the end? Those who've truly been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what can we do this side of eternity to persevere in our faith? And stir our own and each other's affections for the Lord, working, working to remember to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. I love sci-fi, fantasy novels, Lord of the Rings type stuff. And, um, uh, and there's this, uh, one of my favorite uh, songwriters, uh, I just finished reading, he came out with a, a four-book series, and I just finished reading, going through them. It's called The Wing Feather Saga. Uh, his name's Andrew Peterson, great author, great musician, songwriter. And... Um, uh, it, the, the story follows uh, these, these three kids called the, the Ig, Igby children. And, uh, and there's two characters, two brothers. Uh, one's name's Janir and, and the other's name's Kalmar uh, Wingfeather. And uh, Janir was designed by the maker to protect Kalmar, um, uh, uh, who's the, the, the high king of the land, okay? And yes, this is a, a children's book and I'm 10 on the inside, but it's okay, bear with me. 
And, um, but he's designed by his maker to protect Kalmar. Uh, and Kalmar's and this, this high king of all the land. And, and, uh, and um, aside from protecting Kalmar, one of his, his other tasks is to remind Kalmar of his identity. And so the whole book, uh, Janir saying, remember your name. You're Kalmar, wing feather, high priest of all, uh, high king of all the land. You're the high king of all the land. And throughout the book, all four books, you see that theme over and over and over. He has a brother there that's assigned to remember, uh, to call Kalmar, to remember his name, to remember who he is. And this is the role of authentic community. Remember your name, church. Remember your identity. Remember your, your profession and live a life that, that, that matches it. And I began this morning with a proposal, and I want to end with it, is, is an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, humbly living in godly fellowship with other believers, active in the Great Commission, is God's will for your life and your guard against the sin of unbelief. Would you pray with me? Lord, I... Uh, God, our profession is serious and what we do with you this side of eternity, God, affects everything. And so, Lord, I pray that you would cause us to do the work to stir our affections for you and to be intentional about the community that we're engaged with here at Coastal to love one another enough to hold each other accountable to our profession of faith, to have the tough conversations, Lord, to stick around when we don't feel like sticking around. God, so that we can truly learn what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. So I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for giving us a new name. God, that, that Lord, you take people who are just consumed with their sin and you wash them white as snow. And when you look at them, you don't, you don't see the... God, our, our, our sin and our shortcomings, but you see the blood of your son, Jesus. Help us remember that. And I pray this in the only name that saves Jesus Christ. Amen. As this is our offertory time, um, if you're a guest with us, I don't want you to feel any pressure to give. This is just another way that, uh, that our community engages with uh, uh, worshiping the Lord and, and serving, serving each other. Uh, what we would like from you if you're a guest is there's a tear-off that, that if you could just write your, your name down um, and uh, some contact information, we would love to give you a little bit more information about Coastal Community Church. And I want to encourage you men this morning, a, a great way to be intentional about being an authentic community is we have a conference going on this Saturday, October 25th, called Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, the cost is $25 uh, and $15 if you're a student. And uh, today is the last day to register at the kiosk. Um, fathers, it would be a great way to uh, uh, spend time with your son, teach him what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you get uh, lunch is going to be provided there, and you get a free T-shirt when you sign up. And so check out the kiosk on your way out. And with that said, I'll turn it over to Jared and the group.